Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Junction, in the Grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky out for a few days. Rhino sitting in for Borky to start things off today. And then uh, Will will join us coming up in just a little while. Brian Haydad is in Starkville. Rhino, I think I forgot to tell you, we've got to connect with him on the tie line in Starkville. Brian Rippey, Brian Scott Rippey, is uh, here with me in Oxford as well. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Maybe the weather today is make you thinking and making you think about duck season, and you're ready to buy a duck hole. And with that recreational piece of property you got to get some financing to buy it. Mississippi Land Bank can help if you're in North Mississippi. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Check them out online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. A lot to get to this afternoon. I think we got a fun show for you. Uh, we got a ton to cover. Uh, we're going to hear from three different coaches with post-game reaction from the weekend. Coming up about half an hour from now, we'll let you hear what Joe Moorhead had to say after Mississippi State's loss to LSU on Saturday. And then when we make our run through the SEC a little bit later, Derek Mason following Vanderbilt's shocking win at home over Missouri. Derek Mason was passionate. And Will Muschamp was none too pleased with the officiating on Saturday in the rain in Columbia, South Carolina, and he let that be known in his post-game press conference as well. We'll play that for you a little bit later this afternoon. Michael Borky and his wife Katie had a baby on Friday afternoon. It was right before the show ended. James Richard Borky II named baby Borky after his dad, Michael's dad. And I don't think – I mean – Jimmy Dick Borky is good, but I don't think they're going to go with that. I think they're going to call him James. I texted um, I texted Borky a little while ago. I said, what were the vitals on baby Jimmy? I'm not sure if he's going to respond. I don't think he's he's on board with Jimmy for his, uh, his new son. He should be, though, don't you think, Rip? Jim? You're convinced that Jim's one of those names that no baby has, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Bob or Fred. George? There are a few Georges, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to talk to his son. 
Would you? Yeah. What would you tell him? Ask him what he prefers. If you could offer Baby Borky some advice right out of the gate that he could hold on to for the remainder of his life, what would you offer him right up? Well, I texted Borky. I may have tweeted Borky Saturday and asked him what his son thought of the quarterback rotation. Uh huh. He said he recently peed all over himself, and I said, "Do that less, and you'll be okay." <laughs> so, there you go. That's probably pretty good. Six pounds, eleven ounces, and we're still waiting on a height. Borky will send that to me, I think, in uh, in just a little bit. Hey, Dad, you there? I am. I was six pounds, eleven ounces. So that's gonna be a big kid when he grows up. <laughs> If he follows the exact same path, how do the you remember that you were six path. pounds eleven ounces? I don't know. I got a weird memory. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. How are you on a Monday? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Nasty rainy day up here, but uh, it's been it's been a very quality Monday so far. There you go. Uh, here's what's coming up this afternoon. Uh, LSU wins over Mississippi State on Saturday, but it didn't look exactly like a lot of people thought that it might look. And after the game, Joe Moorhead offered a fairly impassioned plea. I don't know if plea is the right way to describe it, but uh, a, a fairly impassioned uh, short speech after the game. Told you we'll play that for you a, a little while later this afternoon. Ole Miss missed a ton of chances, ton of opportunities to win on Saturday night at home against Texas A&M. Ultimately, the Aggies get the win. Southern Miss drops a road game at Louisiana Tech, and they go from being in control of the Conference USA Western Division race to now chasing Louisiana Tech and needing some help in addition to winning a bunch of games themselves the rest of the way. Uh, four interceptions by quarterback Jack Abraham in the ballgame. The second half uh, drive sequence is the stuff that nightmares are made of for coaches. We'll look at that a little bit later as well. Saints go on the road to Chicago, and they roll without Drew Brees and without Alvin Kamara. That gave you a smile on a Sunday, didn't it? Did you smile, hey, Dad, as you watched your Saints? Uh, I smiled quite a bit. I, I smiled the, the, the largest on uh, the crazy fullback handoff into an option play. I, I came out of my chair for that one. I, I was amazed by it. You liked it? Oh, I loved it. What's not to like? Service Academy football in the NFL. Love it. Uh, Rippy, the uh, Tennessee Titans won in the strangest fashion maybe ever yesterday at home against L.A. Yeah, that was an interesting ending, but honestly it was just kind of a good play. The defensive stop? Yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons played a pretty good part in it, and then uh, I forget who stripped it, but like that was – that was pretty good. Monster game for Jeffrey Simmons and his return to football first time in eight months or so since he has been on the football field, and he played quite well. World Series is set after Jose Altuve hits a walk-off bomb in Game 6 on Saturday night. That was after D.J. LeMahieu had tied it up with a two-run home run in the top of the ninth inning to uh, give the Yankees a chance, and it got really interesting, and then it got well, I mean, I guess if you're a Houston fan, it got even more interesting as you go back to the World Series for the second time in three years trying to win the title in two of the last three seasons. If you're a Yankees fan, it got uninteresting in a hurry. Some strange results from around the uh, SEC. Georgia shuts Kentucky out while throwing for 35 yards in the game. 35 passing yards for the Georgia Bulldogs. They used to have Justin Fields. Yeah. 
I would like to go back and reevaluate the you need one quarterback in a clutch drive down at the end, and I said Jake Fromm might be my guy. I'm not sure that that's the route that I would go anymore. I don't think that that would be the right When you get new information, you can make changes in your life. Burrow for Heisman. That's kind of what you've lived by, right, with regard to Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Tua Tonga-Aloa hurt in the win against Tennessee. They go to Arkansas this week, so probably not an issue there. Then they have an open date, but the big question is November 9th. Will Tua be back, and will he be 100% when Alabama faces LSU in Tuscaloosa? There is a – you don't think he'll be 100%? No. I mean, no, I don't. We'll give you the, the latest on that coming up in uh, in a little while when we bounce around the uh, the SEC. This is a pretty similar injury, though, to what he dealt with a year ago, isn't it? The high ankle sprain that caused so much trouble? I think it says the exact same injury, just a different foot. It took from the SEC championship game until the week before the playoff game for him to be ready. Yeah. So that was... A full three weeks. But I think we all watched, and he was not the same player after the fact. So here we are again. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Here here we are once again. Out of that Tennessee Alabama game, you have this faux controversy about Jeremy Pruitt and whether or not it was egregious that he pulled on the face mask of uh, Jarrett Garantano. Uh, I've heard 426 different pronunciations of his last name. We'll get into that. Should there be a controversy? Is there anything wrong with what Jeremy Pruitt did? Vanderbilt somehow wins at home against Missouri. Auburn trounces a terrible Arkansas team. All of that and a whole lot more to get to with you on this Monday afternoon. Hey, Dad, we're going to jump into the Mississippi State LSU game. Quick thought on that game from you before we do so. State played well enough that if they weren't playing LSU, they might have had a chance to win the game. But playing LSU, they had no chance to win the game. Is that performance replicable? Well, that's what it's gonna. That's what the question is going to be for the next you know few weeks with uh, with Joe Moorhead. I think it was all about effort and energy. They they showed it on Saturday. They have never shown it on the road against a quality opponent under Joe Moorhead. So we'll see what happens uh, this week. Rippy, quick thought on Ole Miss and Texas A&M from Saturday night. Texas A&M tried to give Ole Miss the game in about every way possible other than walking off the field, and they didn't win it. And the two-quarterback rotation, the way they did it, made zero sense. Time management was pretty poor, particularly at the end of the first half, and the offense let down a pretty good defensive performance. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Yeah, other than that, they played pretty good. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll dive into LSU's matchup with Mississippi State on Saturday. LSU getting the win in that ball game when we come back with you. Just getting started on this Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you.
to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. All right, Borky gave me the official word. Six pounds, 11 ounces, 19 inches. So not quite two feet tall and pretty light. Probably not ready to play offensive line in the SEC, but we'll see how it goes from there. James Richard Borky II. Congratulations to Michael. Uh, they got home yesterday with, uh, with baby James, and all seems to be going well. And so we are uh, awfully happy for him. Michael will join us again sometime later this week. Not sure exactly as they're trying to uh, kind of figure out what happens next when you're uh, a new parent. It's pretty simple, though, isn't it? Hey, Dad, for a little while. Yeah. You know, just, it cries. There's only three things possibly wrong. It's tired, it's hungry, or it's dirty. Yep. There's no, there's no existent, existential crisis with those, with babies. You are, uh, you are correct. As long as uh, he is regularly getting dirty, regularly wanting to sleep, and regularly eating, then things are well at this point. Yeah. All right. And LSU 36, Mississippi State 13. LSU jumped out to a three to nothing lead in the ball game. That was the score at the end of the first quarter. I, I think, and hey, Dad, correct me on this if I'm wrong. LSU scored on its first five possessions of the game, but all five of those possessions were field goals. Is that right? No. No. They, they kicked okay. three field goals and then scored two touchdowns. Did they miss an extra point in there? They missed they an did. extra point. Gotcha. Okay, that's how it messed things. Uh, so uh, LSU takes a three to nothing lead on its uh, first possession. On their second possession, they push it out to six to nothing. On their third possession, they push it out to nine nothing. Fourth possession, a one play, sixty yard drive that lasted seventeen seconds. Touchdown to make it 15-7 to because Mississippi State had gotten a touchdown uh, in the prior possession, missed the extra point, and then they score a touchdown before the half to make it 22-7. to They make the extra point on that possession. So what happened in the game Saturday? You know, kind of from a high-level 30,000-foot view, when you look at this game, hey, Dad, what, what was your takeaway? I know you said a second ago Mississippi State played well enough to potentially win if they had not been playing LSU, but – Kind of your, your thoughts on the game. Well, State did what we talked about on Friday, uh, a lot of it. They were aggressive. You know, first drive of the game, they have a fourth and short from the, uh, I think they're, they were on their, on LSU's side of the, uh, the 50 or on the 45 or so. And they went for it. Didn't get it. But again, you know, I liked the aggressiveness. I liked that. I thought that from a, an, uh, a defensive standpoint, the same thing. You know, they, they knew they couldn't just sit back and let Burrow pick them apart. They, they, they pressured him more than I had seen Joe Burrow pressured at any point this year. Um, yeah. they, they were, they, they, they were able to flush him from the pocket a few times. The problem is once he got out of the pocket, he was still able to find some open receivers. He, he is a lot better having seen him now from last year to this year. And you see the stats, everything. Okay. He's better. But now I've seen him with my own eyes twice in, in two different situations. He's a lot better. I mean, he, it's, it's incredible how much he's, he's, push forward in, in one season so you know for state it was, it was just a talent problem on, on saturday more than anything else it, you know i thought the effort was there i thought they played you know hard i thought they played aggressive i, I didn't have a whole lot of issues with the game plan they're obviously just you know they're just not as good as lsu and, and it showed 
Joe Burrow was on brand. He was 25 of 32. That's 78%. I think Rippy did the math on Friday. He was averaging six incompletions per game. He had seven incompletions on Saturday, threw for 327 yards, four touchdowns. Miles Brennan came in late in the ball game. He was 0 for 3 passing. I don't know what LSU is going to do at quarterback next year, and I guess this kind of changes the conversation a little bit, but I don't think Miles Brennan is it. No, but I mean now I think with what you're seeing with LSU, that they will have no issues going forward getting elite quarterbacks to want to play there as long as Joe Brady and, and Steve Emsinger are still doing this stuff on offense. Good point on that front. Garrett Schrader, 17 of 28, went the entire way at quarterback, 238 yards through the air, had a touchdown, uh, was picked off two times. He was the leading rusher for Mississippi State, 19 carries, 66 yards, had a touchdown on the ground. His longest rush in the game was for 12 yards. Let me ask you this. What's up with Kylan Hill? 15 carries for 34 yards, no touchdowns. He, he got touches in this game. In addition to the uh, the 15 carries, he had one reception. So 16 touches in the game. Whether that, that is the right number or not, I suppose, is, debated, is debatable. But, but what's going on with the production? It's just not there, and you know maybe it's a obviously he's played two really good defenses in LSU. LSU's defense is good, maybe really good's a stretch for them. Auburn's defense is really good, uh, but yeah. Tennessee's defense is not good, and he was unable to do anything. So I think obviously the state has some issues up front with the offensive line. They just haven't been performing the same way uh, that they did in the first four games. Uh, but yeah, they've also been playing better teams. But Kylan Hill at the same time, you know, he had some opportunities for. I thought I thought he had some opportunities for some big plays in the running game. Uh, but he was just a little hesitant, you know, to, to cut up field at times. Um, had, had some opportunities, you know, they were able to get him out wide, which we talked about last week, you know, can you, can you find ways to get him, you know, in, out into space? I thought they did that, but he wasn't able to take advantage of it a, a few times. So I thought the, uh, the game plan for Kylan Hill was okay, but he, he's got to do a little bit better job for me of, of taking advantage of some opportunities that he had. He also had a, a catch, to, uh, called back on a penalty where state, under Moorhead, the first time I, I really remember a true trick play ran a, uh, a a reverse pass where he was open and, and caught it for a big play, but it got called back on offensive pass interference. Stephen Gidry had a good game. He uh, had what six catches for almost a hundred yards in the game. Six catches, ninety-eight yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown came at the uh, the end of the ball game with just under a minute to play. Did you see anything from the receivers that that gave you? Reason to think positively. Uh, I mean, Gidry had a couple of plays, but he also he had the the, the aforementioned penalty that cost State a big play. He also had a couple of drops. Uh, LSU did a really good job of blanketing up Osiris Mitchell. Christian Fulton was really really good. State didn't target Daryl Derek Stingley the whole game, which is probably smart. But Fulton's also really really good. LSU's secondary is just really really good. I mean, they've got what four five star guys back there, and so they should be pretty good, and it's, it's working out for them. So. Uh, as far as state's receivers go, I mean, state did it is, is, is they looked better passing the ball at times, but there were also times where there was just nothing available to them. What did you learn on Saturday? I learned that if state can play with the kind of energy it played with on Saturday, they they have a chance to win. They have a chance to be they should have a great chance to be bowl eligible. They can they can beat Arkansas, they can beat Abilene Christian. And and Ole Miss, Ole Miss is definitely a toss up game, but if they play like that, I feel like they could they could they could have a chance to win the game. So for me, you know, 
it's it's sort of frustrating when you look at how they played against Tennessee, a game a team that they should have been able to beat, but they went up there and were completely flat. Uh, if they had played with this kind of uh, energy the week before, I think they probably would have won the game. And I think part of that is, I think Garrett Schrader brings some of that. I think Moorhead made a mistake letting him start, letting Tommy Stevens start the, the Tennessee game. They should have just rolled with Schrader at this point. So they're, they're they're trying to figure some things out, but it feels like these are things that should have been figured out early on. And now you've got another road game where, like I said earlier, that they have had no success under Joe Moorhead except for last year's Egg Bowl in the conference. And you know. I'm interested to see an 11 a.m. game. Another, you know, are you going to start flat again? If you do, you're probably going to be trailing, and it's 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 a long way from there. And offensively, I mean, they just they just aren't good offensively. They just aren't. I mean, they 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 can't score a whole lot of points. And I, you know, that's the thing with this weekend. If A&M can get to 17 points, probably going to win. So you're going to need a, a, a good performance from your defense, which has played better the last two weeks, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, kind of thinking back through the season. Pretty good energy against Kentucky. That was on the heels of the the loss at home to Kansas State. State comes out and they play well, uh, pretty well against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the game against Auburn where you blink and it's out of hand early. And then just didn't play well against Tennessee. To your point, played hard, played with energy, played with emotion against LSU. Can that happen in back to back weeks? Uh, I know Joe Moorhead uh, after the game, and you're going to hear that coming up in just a few minutes. It sounds like he has kind of figured out how to go after that energy and emotion, but is he going to be able to get the team to respond? And I guess that's a question that we really don't know the answer to right now. Yeah, we won't know until Saturday when we see how the team comes out then. I mean, I would think that it's sort of, it's got to be frustrating for people, to, for Mississippi State fans to, to hear that, you know, the team has to be told to be motivated. You know, that seems like something that should just happen automatically. You know, you're playing a, a football game, you should be ready to play. But that obviously wasn't the case. So Moorhead, you know, he said that that was his his big message all week was, you know, we have to play with great energy, we have to play fired up. And he got him to do it, to, to his credit. And we'll see if he can do it again. The road to six wins in a bowl game at this point is pretty simple for Mississippi State. Uh, sitting at three and four right now, you got to win at Arkansas. You've got to win against Abilene Christian, and most likely a win against Ole Miss. Now that could change if Mississippi State is able to get one on the road against Texas A&M. But if you're just looking at the path to six, mm-hmm. that's the most likely path, right? Yes, no, no question about that. You know, can you beat A&M? Sure, A&M's not very good, but. If that's going to be the toughest one. I mean, Alabama is, is just sort of out of the question. So, yeah, A&M's the toughest one. The, the real focus is Arkansas, Abilene, Christian, and Ole Miss. Five games remaining for Mississippi State. They need to win at least three of them to get to 6-6 six and six and have a chance for bowl eligibility. Sports Talk Mississippi. When we come back, we will let you hear what Joe Moorhead said after the game and get your thoughts. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Back after this at the Renaissance Bank Studio. Take the friggin' wax out of your ear. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say, sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. 
Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Some of the responses from you so far today. LSU had a Gator hangover. Let's not fool ourselves. I don't think that takes anything away from how Mississippi State played in the game. No. Uh, Greg in Nettleton... Gary Daniels had no more said after State scored. All right, now you've got to play smart, mistake-free. Mississippi State kicks off to number 411. State nearly takes the guy's head off. Is there a penalty on that, hey, Dad? Yes. Okay. They called for Obviously, Greg was not pleased with that. He says it was hard to watch, guys. That's real talk. Um. Michael from Poplarville points out that all three schools this weekend lost in the state of Mississippi. It was not a good weekend for Mississippi college football. Amanda in Pike County, she's got a question. She says, why was the energy there against LSU when it hasn't been all year? That's a really good question. I mean, it's not hasn't that it hasn't been there. It was there against Kentucky, like you mentioned, and I thought it was there at the beginning of the uh, the USM game, but they did definitely played back-to-back games where they were very flat, and this week they – that was the or last week, I guess I should say that that was the message from from Moorhead that this can't continue, and then they were able to you know to fix it. Kel in Gulfport, the Rebels as usual found a way to nicely package and gift wrap yet another game and give it away in the usual fashion. Got to find a way to keep the lead and close games out. Um, Delta State won. There we go. Thanks for the heads up on that. Uh, are you guys aware that Moorhead? Does have us ranked number one at NCAA Football Coaches Hot Seat.com. I'm not really familiar with that website. I don't know that I would put that much credence in that. The goal is to get number one rankings. <laughs> uh, do you think Ole Miss will give Grant Tisdale snaps in the next four games? Do I think they will? No. I do not. Because nothing they've indicated suggested they would at all. Okay. Told you we'd give you this. So uh, Mississippi State loses the game to LSU. Joe Moorhead repeatedly says that this is not about moral victories, but he was pleased with a lot about what he saw on Saturday. Here was Joe Moorhead right after the game, post-game press conference. First and foremost, you got to uh, tip your cap to Coach Ogeron and his staff. Uh, that's a very, very good football team, uh, ranked number two in the country for a reason. Uh, they're going to have an awesome chance to win the SEC, win the SEC West, and compete for a national championship. So credit where it deserves there. All right, the biggest thing with this football team that we stressed all right, this week, last night at the hotel, and this morning, is that we were going to freaking fight. All right, and no matter what the circumstance was, all right, we're going to, we were going to continue to punch and continue to scratch, and continue to claw and get up off the mat. And no matter what the clock said, the clock said, and what the score said, we were going to keep keep plugging away and keep fighting. Okay. And I thought our kids did that. that. That was a different football team than I saw on the field against Tennessee. And that was stretched. That we were going to play with emotion. We were going to play with pride. We were going to play with intelligence. The intelligence part maybe we didn't get. All right. What games come down to, all right, particularly when the margin of error is, is, is invisible, it's going to come down to turnover margin, which we lost. You can't turn the ball over three times against this team and expect to win. Explosive play margin. We created a good number on, on offense, probably gave up a few, few too many on defense. All right, that's going to come to third down conversion percentage in red zone. All right, and certainly those 13 penalties, you know, some of the pre-snap things where they're making a move call and we're, we're jumping there, that's stuff that, that, that's not maybe at the front end of it, but it's stuff that's going to not help and, and get you beat against a team like this. Okay. I'm certainly not excited about the outcome. 
Okay, that's the number two team in the country. But when you look at it in spurts and see when we were playing well and we were executing and doing the things we needed to do, we stopped them, we moved the ball, and we were making plays. All right, when you're doing things you're not supposed to do, then we weren't making plays. All right, it's going to come down to how well we prepared during the week and our belief and commitment and our culture and doing the little things and building this program the way it needs to be built. I know people sometimes don't want to hear it and they don't want they want to answer now. All right, Coach O's in four or five years, I promise you this, the things that we are building with this program, true freshman, quarterback, all right, true freshman running back, Nathan Pickering, all right, most Smitherman out, two true freshman corners in the game. You look at all the youth that we have and the things that we're doing, and once again, not a moral, moral victory at all. I, I get that part. But the process of what we're doing and where we're taking this team, all right, is going in the right damn direction. All right, we played our asses off today, and we fought. Was it, was it clean? Was it precise? Was it what it needed to be against this team? Absolutely not. But I know this. When I'm in that locker room and I look at that team and I saw how we fought, we're going to build off of this one. We're going to take the good things, we're going to correct the bad things, and we're going to be a football team that continues to fight the rest of the year. All right, and we're going to get ready to roll tomorrow. We're going to make the corrections, and we're going to get rolling for, for Texas A&M. Any questions? So that was Joe Moorhead Saturday after the ball game. Yeah. Hey, Dad, you you got to help me out on this one. Sure. When a Mississippi State fan hears that, there is a certain segment of the fan base that is going to be like, I wish I could put on a helmet. I'm ready to run for a, through a brick wall for that guy. That that segment of the fan base exists. Mm-hmm. There is a segment of the fan base that goes, all I heard was telephone call on peanuts. Right. And then there's a segment of the fan base that's somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. So... What do Mississippi State fans hear and think when they hear that from Joe Moorhead? Well, first off, you left off the best part of that press conference, the very end where he, for some odd reason, decided he needed to ask me if I was okay. But I think what people heard, and based on you know, the reaction I was getting on social media, was, and this is what MSU fans don't understand, is you keep hearing talking about building this program, building this program, and MSU fans are going to by and large look at them and go, what are you talking about? The program was built. State had been to eight straight bowls. It seemed like, you know, when you came in, it was about getting better, not getting worse. And it, it's tough to sell people that, hey, things are going to be better down the road, but for two or three years, it's really going to suck. That's a tough sell, especially when you're talking about people who feel who felt like they had it pretty good. They felt like they were, they were, their program was in a pretty good place. So I think by but, and large... Okay, let me, let me press pause there for a second. Yeah. When Matt Rule takes the Baylor job, and says to Baylor fans out of the gate, this is going to take a while. Yeah, We're going to play hard. We're going to play with great energy. We're going to do everything we can to win, but but we're going to build this program the right way. Baylor fans go, I'm on board. Let's give it a shot. We understand right. it's going to take some time. Right. When you inherit a top-five defense in the country with an experienced quarterback, and regardless of how good he was or wasn't, but an experienced quarterback in the SEC – and the results are what they've been, am I interpreting what you're saying the right way? Yeah. And think about what Moorhead said when he arrived. He talked about, you know, what's your ring size and championship standard and talking about how, you know, going to go from good to great. And then, and then you know, as we all know, we were at SEC Media Days. He tried to walk that back a little bit. But, yeah, that's, you know, if he had come into a situation where State was – you know where State had been bad for a few years. Sort of the situation that Dan Mullen came into. People are willing to be patient with that. But when you inherit a team that 
everybody feels is going to be one of the best ones you've had in recent memory. And like you said, you've got an incredible defense, three first-rounders. You've got an experienced quarterback who, on the surface, looks like he should fit your offense. And if, if not, you certainly have trust in your coaches to be able to find plays that are, that are going to win for him. You're returning a 1,000-yard rusher, and then you find out you've got another running back who's just as good, if not better. You've got two guys on the offensive line who are starting in the NFL right now. And you take that team and you and you really underachieve with it. And now the next year, now you're sitting at three and four. That's a tough sell. I mean, I, I don't know that I could sell that. You know, it, it's it's tough to tell people who were who felt like their program had finally gotten to the point where it was going to be consistent that they're going to have to take a step back so that they can be better down the road. And the the problem is, of course, there's no guarantees. You know, Morgan can say what he wants to say, but. There's no guarantee that in, you know next season Mississippi State's about to take off or anything like that. At the same time, though, isn't it kind of unrealistic to expect when the greatest coach in like the modern history of the school leaves not for there to be a drop off? I mean, history across the board would suggest there almost always is. You're not wrong, but at the same time, with that particular team, you didn't feel like it was going to be that big of a drop off, especially when. If State had not been as good as it was defensively last year, you know, for whatever reason, that Bob Shoup had been the problem, however you want to fa- phrase that, I don't think everybody is as upset. It's that you brought in a coach and you 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 were you sold him as an offensive savant, and that his offense was going to be revolutionary and and change change things, and State has just been bad offensively in the SEC under Joe Moorhead. That's 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 the problem I think people have right now. Fair enough. Joey and Madison on the C Spire text line, this fan is not on board. Joe is a great coach and can build a great team, but he is just not an SEC coach. Wish the best for his future, but the square peg will never fit in the triangle hole. Um, Because there's not enough sides. (laughs) Ken in Long Beach says, we West Virginia fans are going through the same thing right now. It's just tough to swallow. Right. Georgia Tech is a good example. You know, but, that, but 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 isn't the difference at West Virginia that roster was absolutely gutted? Right, right. Combination That's of graduation, the, draft, and a bunch of guys transferring out. Right. He walked into a, a top fifteen team last year and lost about as many games as he possibly could have. And now, he, now that you're three and four, you feel like you're trending downwards when you, you just you know that's not what you were sold. You weren't you weren't told that from the beginning. I can't imagine Moorhead coming in, though, from day one and being like, I know State's been to eight straight bowl games, but, hey, we got to take a step back here and, and rebuild. That, 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 I don't know how that would have gone either. So. You can start sending us your winners and losers from the weekend on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll have hours at the top of the hour. Get to yours shortly after that. What looked like it was going to be a fun Saturday in Ruston turned into a nightmare second half. Look at what happened with Southern Miss against Louisiana Tech when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
Four o'clock hour with you, Monday afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you missed it last week, you've got all of this week plus a couple of days to register for the hunt of a lifetime for your son or daughter or niece or nephew, if you happen to be their guardian, any child basically, uh, which you have guardian rights over, you can register them to win the hunt of a lifetime from Mississippi Land Bank. Go to the website, mslandbank.com, click on the hunt of a lifetime tab or the link right there on the, uh, the homepage. Fill out your contact information, the contact information for uh, your kid between the ages of 5 and 16, and a grand prize is going to be given away that includes a lifetime Mississippi sportsman's license and also either a quail hunt in West Point, a duck hunt in Tunica, or a uh, a prize package that includes lots of hunting gear and some really cool stuff. You can only register by going to mslandbank.com, and you've got until October 29th to do that. Your chance to win the hunt of a lifetime for your son or daughter. It is Monday. It's just after 4 o'clock, and that means it's time for Winners and Losers. All I, all I, all I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. Winner never win. Winners and losers, what did you like? What did you not like from the weekend? We will get to your submissions on either Twitter or the C Spire text line coming up in just a few minutes. I want to start by taking you to the Coastal Carolina Georgia Southern game. It's played in the rain. It was a tight game going to the fourth quarter. Three-point ball game. They played the song Mo Bamba, and as Georgia Southern at home is wont to do, all of their fingers, uh, all of their players hold four fingers in the air to signify the start of the fourth quarter, and they start dancing in a tradition that their team calls bringing. The juice. Cool enough. So maybe on the winner's list for that. Coastal Carolina didn't like it. They thought they were being taunted just a little bit. So what did they do? They started dancing too. Stayed on their sideline. Eh, maybe out on the field, but outside the hash marks anyway. And they're dancing. And so basically, in the rain, going into the fourth quarter of a three-point game, you got jams over the loudspeaker, and both teams are dancing, fired up, ready to play. Let's get it. I'm good with that being on the winner side of things. Hey, Dad, you know who the losers are? I know exactly who the losers are. The referees yeah. taking life a little too seriously. They throw flags. Not one. There are flags all over. It looks like a laundromat for officials' flags. Yellow flags flying all over the place, like they're little birdies. And they give every player on both teams an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. No big deal, right? 
you get that. You, you, everybody gets an unsportsmanlike, and the next time somebody gets an unsportsmanlike, boom, they're out of there. Problem. Georgia Southern has one player in the game that's already gotten an unsportsmanlike conduct. He's now ejected. Two players for Coastal Carolina have already gotten unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in the game. Boom, they're ejected as well. You have three players kicked out of the game prior to the fourth quarter because two football teams decide they want to dance. Not while play is going on, not taunting after scoring a touchdown. They're playing football in the rain on a Saturday in Statesboro. I think that's where Georgia Southern is. They're having a good time. Well, to be fair, if you didn't get the first one, you wouldn't have been ejected. I understand that. Part of the game. Those guys are playing it safe. They're not going to get another one along the way. What are you, the no fun police? No, no, no. You got a striped shirt underneath that blue shirt? I think this is dumb, but like everyone else that got to stay didn't get an unsportsmanlike conduct that was probably warranted earlier in the game. Fair enough. Those referees are losers, though. I don't disagree. What? Hey, Dad. All. All referees. No, not all of them. Not all of them. There's some good ones. They didn't have a good week. They didn't have a good week. No, they did not. Um, And that was not isolated to college football. It was kind of all over the place. All right, hey, Dad, give me a winner. Sergeant Matt Zajac, United States Army. Let me tell you about him. Wait, did you say Pat Zajac? Matt. Matt. There we go. So every every football game, and I, I don't know if Ole Miss does anything like this. They probably do. But the state does a thing called salute to service, where they bring a yep. veteran out. You get a great ovation for him. However, that's going to go, right? Uh, Sergeant Zajac, four years of service in the Army, two tours with Operation Iraqi Freedom, lost both his legs uh, in service of his country. So he's out there on the field for this uh, for this moment in his wheelchair with two uh, you know prosthetic legs, and he's soaking up the ovation. And he's a younger guy, so he's really sort of hamming it up, and the crowd's giving him the love. And it's great. It was great as it was. And then when they're ready to wrap up, somebody comes out there to, to help him wheel himself off the field. He was having none of that, and he stood up in front of this crowd, and I'm telling you right now that the dust level in the press box was very high at that particular mm-hmm. moment. Uh, an unbelievable ovation and moment at Davis Way. I've seen games there my whole life. I have seen incredible plays and i don't know that i've ever seen a crowd as emotionally into anything as that particular moment right there so sergeant zajac you are my winner today sir we salute you you know the cool thing about those and and you're right i almost does that i think most most schools most do schools that. do something it, like that, yeah. it's a really cool thing that that they do that's the one moment a game in a game where it doesn't matter if you're a home fan or a visiting fan everybody mm-hmm. stands up and cheers the lsu fans were standing up and going when he stood up Everybody in that stadium was going crazy. Yeah. That's uh that is very cool. Hey Rhino, you got a winner from the weekend? Mm, not the weekend, but I will pull a winner out of uh MLS today. They just announced another expansion team. So more soccer for US fans, even though US soccer's in the tank. But yeah, Sacramento picked up the twenty uh, ninth MLS franchise. So there's even more teams in MLS now than there were yesterday. That is so Rhino and I are gonna do a you. soccer segment very soon. Very soon on this show. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about Team USA because that's a barrel of fun. Oh, but yeah. The loser's part of this, this segment. Yeah. Rippy, give me a winner. Lamar Jackson? Okay. Pretty good. 
Probably got the best win of anyone in the NFL over the weekend, I would think. Baltimore beating Seattle? In Seattle. He's really good, and he's on pace to shatter Vic's rushing record, and he is hard to tackle. Hmm. Weren't there a lot of people that said he wasn't going to be any good in the NFL? There Most were. I, maybe uh, self-included. I, I don't remember for sure. but I wasn't a Lamar Jackson stand by any means. I, he was fascinating to me. I had no idea how it would work out. And worked out well, so good for him. I feel like they deserve to be on the winner's list, not because, I mean, you know, you could argue that maybe it's Missouri that should be on the loser's list, but Derek Mason and Vanderbilt, they got beat 34-10 to at home last week by a 1-4 and going in UNLV team. And I walked away from Columbia, Missouri last Saturday fairly impressed with Missouri. I thought it was a pretty good football team. Vanderbilt with a third-string quarterback starting in the game, Mo Hassan, who played pretty well, and then he got hurt, concussion, I think, and Riley Neal comes in and immediately throws an interception that goes the other way, and Missouri gets a touchdown out of it, but comes back and makes some pretty big plays. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, really good in the game, and Vanderbilt beats Missouri, who is leading the East. We had all given Missouri wins against Vanderbilt and Kentucky to have them 7-1 and one and undefeated in the league headed to Athens in three weeks. And it's not going to be the case anymore. So uh, Derek Mason and Vanderbilt, winner's list. Yeah. All right, how about losers? Well, I had another winner. Hey, Dad, got a loser? Well, I had another winner. I'll do that first. Okay, uh, give me another winner. Jeff Simmons. I mean, the guy is just a freak of nature. He tore his ACL in February. And then yesterday, two tackles for loss and a sack. And, and got the Titans going, in the, you know, got a big win for them. That's incredible. What what a, what a player. I, I'm willing to say that I'm going to make a hot take here. After Dak Prescott, Jeff Simmons is the second greatest MSU football player of all time. I'm going really? there. Yeah. I, I Look at how look at what his absence has done to this team. Hmm. I'm not sitting here thinking of snarky comments. I'm just kind of processing what you said. Yeah. I believe it. We'll circle back to some losers coming up, plus get your winners and losers in just a matter of moments when we continue with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I was a young boy, at the age of five, my mother's child going to be the greatest man alive. Got a lot of winners and losers from you. On the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Hey, Dad, did you have a loser you wanted to throw in first? How can it not be Wisconsin, right? What an, what an awful performance. I, just, I can't get over a hook. Yeah. And just to, I mean, they were on the path to be the team that sort of, you know, could not spoil things, wouldn't be right word, because they might could have been the big team. fly in the ointment? Yeah. And now, nah, not so much. Why are you throwing the football there instead of handing it off to Patrick Taylor? Or to uh, Patrick, uh, John, I'm sorry, Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, you got the best running back in college football, 
You just need to run the clock out. Nope, we're not going to do that. You get what you deserve sometimes. Griffey, you got a loser? You can think on it. Ceasefire yeah. text line. Winner, Saints, all those starters out. Losers, Bears offense. The Saints are better than my Bears. All right. It's true. I'll add on to that. Matt Nagy said he wasn't going to let the media divide the team because that's what's wrong with the Bears, not that the quarterback doesn't know how to throw. I was going to say, is he going to let Trubisky divide the team? <laughs> Edward and Greenwood, winner, the beer distributors in Oxford. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, I have heard almost no negative comments which I feel like is probably a win for everybody because if it had not gone well, then people would be shouting from the rooftops. Yeah. I, I have heard a tentative number on number of units sold, but uh, I don't think that's anywhere close to official yet, so hopefully we'll have that later in the week. Suffice it to say, it was a profitable venture. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Illinois, big winners. Kind of go on the opposite side from you, hey Dad. Instead of making yeah. Wisconsin the losers, this guy made Illinois the winners. Lovey uh, Smith, Julian the second Tupelo. best beard in college football. Said Lovey Smith does. He's got the second best beard in college football. Oh, stop being that guy! Come on. What? Garrett Schrader does not have the best beard in college football. Best beard in college football. No question about it. Julian Tupelo says baseball fans are winners. Go Nats. David and Oxford, loser. The person that thought Tony the Baby Shark was a good idea. Oh, I, Ooh, I, saw, got a, I saw that. Yeah, I, that was weird. I didn't see the tweet. I saw a screenshot of it deleted, but the diaper was just kind of strange. Uh, winner, the Ole Miss and State students that made the two cup snakes. Or Ole Miss do a cup snake? I, I, I saw a video of one that was sent to me, and then I saw the video of the state students carrying it across the grove. There's really nothing greater than like people that have gone invested in a cup snake. Like if you contribute at least one cup, or you're carrying it, like you feel like you're part of a greater cause. And then like, you know, when the old Miss kid added the last one to the end, everyone let out a shriek like they had just invented fire for the first time. It was uh, it's quality work. Have you ever been part of a cup snake? I don't think so, but like I've seen them at Wrigley Field and like. State had a really long one. They were carrying it across what appeared to be the junction, I think, to some yeah. undisclosed location. But like, if you're a part of that, you're on a mission with a group of people to serve a greater purpose, and they were determined. I agree. The 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 shark mascot as it exists right now has got to go. Oh, we're gonna you do this can't again. Back out of it Come now. Oh yes, you can. You can take that thing and throw it in a dumpster and throw some diesel fuel in the dumpster <laughs> and drop a match in it and watch it burn and celebrate as it burns. It's a lizard that looks like a can opener. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that, but like they rolled out this whole deal. I don't care what they rolled out. Well, Get the heck the rid of it and put a puffy bleeping shark out there that kids will like. No, I don't disagree with that. Like, like you're already a school that is viewed as having a gigantic. Who cares? You're gonna change it again? Yes, because guess what? People aren't gonna laugh at you anymore for changing it than they are for what you've got out there as a mascot. Yeah, but at that point, they could do like. I mean, they could just dress up Stingray or something on the sideline. 
Who cares? I don't care. Get rid of that thing. <laughs> I think them backing out of it is a dumb idea because they. My two-year-old daughter out. desperately, desperately wants to latch on to a mascot. She'd have been fine with the bear. She loves the idea of a shark, and then she sees him. She's like, Tony. And then she like almost starts crying. Your daughter doesn't like a shark. She loves the idea of a shark. You ever been to an aquarium? I don't know that she's been to an aquarium. You may just be sharks in general. She's a That's shark. Isn't a shark thing though. I'm just keeping you going at this point. I do think it looks preposterous, but like again, at this point, they had that grand rollout. I don't get out. Like I felt like at the time when they did that whole thing and sent out all the press release and stuff, they were just stuck with it. I, I you, think well, for better or for worse, they yes, were yes, yes. But the people who ultimately made that decision have <laughs> moved on to other places. It's true. Fresh start seems to be a common theme. Here. Burn it, here. the shark, Rip. that shark. I'm, don't mascot. change the mascot again because here's the thing: some of the shark stuff that they've done looks really, really good, and it's it's unbelievably marketable. Just the mascot's not. You want to look more like Jabberjaw? No, I want it to look like a shark, a big puffy That's shark. That's what Jabberjaw is: is a shark. Well, there you go. I'm thinking like left shark, what is, like Katy Perry Super Bowl halftime. What is Jabberjaw? It was a cartoon when I was a kid. He was a shark. Okay. Well, like, you could really just have made an exact copy of the hockey team out there. And be- yes, the San Jose Sharks. That would be just fine. Or any other shark-stuffed animal that you can get in that big, fat bin that they've got when you walk out the door at Walmart. You took a photo of that live tiger. I'm guessing you and Tony have not shared a selfie. Uh. <laughs> Other losers from the ceasefire text line. Uh, NCAA not letting uh, Lane Kiffin use freedom of tweet speech. <laughs> oh, no, he had the freedom to say it. You just don't have the freedom. That doesn't mean you're uh, there's, there's no freedom from consequence. exempt of consequence. Yeah, right. He's not going to jail. All right, here we go. The winner. The uh, Saints offensive line. Bridgewater looked like he was enjoying an early dinner yesterday. Another winner. That awesome fullback option pitch to Taysom Hill. Best play I've seen all season. Beautiful. You like that. Gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. Lucas in Union. Winner. MRA football for beating Jackson Prep at Jackson Prep. Loser. Cody Howell for making, for tweeting a picture, making fun of two girls at state game crying. Problem. Oh. Says the problem was they were crying because of the veteran with two prosthetic legs was walking on his own off the field. It wasn't they were crying because he was sad. No. Yeah, that's what I, I people tweeted at me. They said, "Hey, when they came back from TV, people were just sobbing." So. Joe in Gulfport. Uh, we will circle back to that. Steve O says, "Winner Dome Patrol Part Do." The defense is good. Gavin and Starkville, why we love college football. Winners, Vanderbilt, Illinois, throw in Kansas. You never know. Kansas still counts as a winner. Loser, yeah. Rich Rodriguez. Don't know what he's watching, but I'm pretty sure our local peewee coach could have put, called a better game. Uh-huh. Losers, people walking at crosswalks and the cart drivers driving erratically after the game that are being directed out of the game so nobody will get hurt. Okay, makes our job very difficult and puts lots of people in danger. So if you're driving a cart, beware of the people that are walking. Sounds like someone almost got hit. Winner, the Colts looked really good against the Texans. 
That's a big win for the Colts. Jacoby Brissett is good. Yeah. Winner, Astros. Yeah. Winner, the mattress guy who put down $3.5 million. He's getting close to being a winner. Winner, Coach Mason's post-game interview on the field. You will hear it later this afternoon. Have you seen this guy with the Heisman bet for Joe Burrow? No. He, he Brody Miller keeps tweeting it. The guy bet, I, I don't know how much, but he's, he stands to win $10,000 if Burrow wins the Heisman. The online betting services use is continually trying to buy him out of the bet. They're now up to offering him $4,000. If he goes to 5000 take it and run. Yeah, I, would, I, I, I told him. Why do you he should, draw you the know, line there? Just curious. You think four is enough? If you're splitting between, yeah. Because, I mean. I can find this. Go ahead. I'm just saying, he's like an ankle twist away from missing a game or two and not getting it, right? You, I mean, you never know, yeah. See Tongavaloa Kamatua. Yeah, I guess I didn't even really have that in the back of my mind, but that's, yeah, good point. Josh and Clinton, winner, our veterans in MSU for recognizing the Wounded Warrior at halftime on Saturday. Hey, Dad had that in his winners. Kelso and Ocean Springs, loser FedEx Fields drainage. <laughs> Did you see the Niners doing the belly flop slides? They look like they are having fun. They did. I would, too, if I was 6-0. Uh, winner, Borky. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Richard, that thing is scary. Talking about the whatever. Loser, Dan Wolken. He probably never played football. He's soft about the UT face mask tweet. We'll get to that in a bit as well. I think you can just kind of generally put it is. Dan Wolken See, on the loser's list. This guy bet 50 bucks to win 10000 they're now up to offering him four grand to walk away. You're right, Richard. Looks like a big lizard, and young kids are afraid of it. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Those are the winners and the losers in the Renaissance Bank studio. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk with you on this Monday afternoon. On Thursday, we'll be at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge at the Pearl River Resort's Golden Moon Casino. Grab a snack and place a wager for your favorite team. Plus, you can download the Pearl River Resort Sportsbook app. It's the first and only sports betting app in Mississippi. Sportsbook uh, Talk Mississippi at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge coming up on Thursday. Over 20 big screen TVs. You won't miss one second of the action. Borky is out on... Uh, well, he's just taking a couple of days off. I mean, I guess technically it's paternity leave. But guess who's back? Rebecca Turner's back today after uh, her maternity leave, having a baby. So good things with Rebecca Turner is back and is live. She did a ton of work before she had the baby to get everything together so that uh, you had original content all throughout the time she was away. You can uh, listen to good things on supertalk.fm, Alexa, and always on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. And now you can watch it live and in HD, supertalktv.com. Will East is along with us for the rest of the way. What's up, Will? What's going on, guys? Uh, 
Did you kick Rhino out? Yeah, it takes two men to replace Borky. I just want to say There you that. go. Yeah. I'm sure he would trade with you and let you change diapers for him. <laughs> It's not well, the shark actually, you have to get it? in line because um, Rippy's really wanting to help with the diaper changing stuff. I bet he yes. right, Rip. I said I'd have him babysit. I don't think he accepted. Well, I mean that's part of babysitting. If you volunteer to keep somebody's depends kids, depends on how long you watch the kid, and they have a diaper that needs to be changed, then you have to change it. Fair enough. No big deal. Depends on what it is. It's a boy. No, I didn't mean the kid. I meant what's going on down there, what the explosion was. Again, bottom line is, regardless of what it is, it's got to be changed. Yeah. Cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't think Borky's going to let me babysit his kid, though. Let's talk about Ole Miss's loss to Texas A&M. 24-17 on Saturday night in Oxford. There were... Multiple opportunities for Ole Miss to have a different outcome in this ball game. A and M jumped out to a three to nothing lead. Ole Miss struck with a sixty nine yard touchdown run from Jerrion Ely. Nice. Tom Hart on the winners list for the call. Yeah, what did he, he say? deserves that. He said he nice. said sixty nine yard touchdown run. Then had a brief pause and then just goes nice. Then let the rest of it breathe. That made it seven to three. With 38 seconds remaining in the half, uh, Texas A&M kicked a field goal from, I'm sorry, it was a touchdown pass, 18-yard touchdown pass. That was after they let to make the it 10-7. shaky field goal kicker attempt a 50-yarder. That's what set up the touchdown. So so a couple of things in play there. Uh, A&M goes six plays in 67 yards in a minute 17 after Ole Miss attempted a 50-yard field goal. That in fairness, had the distance, but was never online. Which has been a little bit of a theme in that department for most of this season. Sure thing. So They threw a lot of passes that had the distance and were not online. Um, <laughs> with that particular decision, one, you choose to kick the field goal. The options would have been different play-calling sequence. You want to try and keep the drive alive. Didn't choose that route. You also didn't choose to try and punt and down it inside the 10 and give A&M a long field. None of those things happened. No, because they had not scored a touchdown at that point. So why make them go 90 yards and do it for the first time? And then Ole Miss defensively gave a little bit different look and was not able to put any pressure and didn't blitz that I recall on that entire drive, which is something they had had some success with in getting to Kellen Mond. And then on a fairly obvious touchdown catch, burned their last time out to lobby for review check the rule book but i believe they review all scoring plays automatically and then proceeded to go down the field and have the drive fizz out they brought in for 45 seconds what thir- no, about 38 seconds they brought in the running quarterback who got them to midfield and then they let the throwing quarterback have a heave and then the, the drive and half ended yes jump ball in the end zone batted down by a&m go to the locker room and it is 10 to 7 texas a&m that is correct Ole Miss comes out, first drive of the second half. Five plays, 65 yards, minute and a half. Snoop Connor punches it in from two yards out. Rebels are up 14-10. to 10, And it feels like there's been a pretty significant momentum swing. After really outplaying Texas A&M for most of the first half, you go to the locker room down. You feel like you kind of steal the momentum back. And then Ole Miss is driving, leading 14-10. to 10. 
in striking distance of potentially getting into the end zone, certainly in striking distance of having a chance to try and kick a field goal to extend the lead, none of those things happen. John Rice Plumley tries to make a play with his feet, doesn't feel the pressure, gets the ball knocked out, 62-yard scoop and score by Buddy Johnson. That puts A&M in front 17-14. There would not be another touchdown scored until the 2-minute 34-second mark when A&M, when they really needed it, went on a 7-play 55-yard drive, took 3 minutes and 57 seconds off the clock. Isaiah Spiller took it in from 22 yards out, had a couple of huge third-down conversions on that drive that Kellen Mond made plays with his feet. That made it 24-14. Ole Miss drives down. They kick a field goal with 26 seconds remaining. Uh, then they try a, uh, an onside kick, which, by the way, was certainly the best thing that Luke Logan did on Saturday night. That was a perfect onside kick attempt. He just didn't recover it. It was the low skitter that bounces twice and then takes the high hop, and all you got to do is catch it. And Ole Miss was able to bat it, which is a penalty, and A&M downs it to end the game. Um, I'm not sure why you kick the field goal in fourth down. Once you get into field goal range, I don't know why you don't kick the field goal because you've got to have two scores. That's correct. What's your takeaway from Saturday night? They lost another game to an average team, and in a season that had a hand flip, handful of coin flip games that would really kind of determine the trajectory of their year, they've lost pretty much all of them. I mean, going into the year, I think people called Arkansas a hand a coin flip game. I don't know. I was about to say hand flip. Um, but given the way Arkansas has turned out and given that they very well might go 0-16 in the SEC the last two years, I think that's probably nullified. Uh, Vanderbilt ran out there and did whatever that was. And other than that, you've had Cal, Memphis, Missouri. It's hard to indict them for losing on the road like that. But again, it's another game that you had a chance to win and didn't because of a handful of plays. And Texas A&M and they haven't won any of them. So, oh, I mean, call it trend to trend. They're losing to average competition fairly regularly. Hey, Dan, in some ways, Ole Miss this year has been the anti-Dan Mullen. Right? I mean, so so Dan Mullen never really beat anybody that was better than him, but he won all the right. games he was supposed to win, and he won all yeah. the coin flip games. Yeah, and that's why you know he was as successful at Mississippi State as he, ha- as he was. So, yeah, for Ole Miss, I mean, and, you know, I think before the season, if we had pointed at Texas A&M and, and I'm trying to think Memphis, you know, I don't know that we would have said coin flip game, especially for A&M. But, well, to yeah, be fair, that, Memphis was less than a touchdown. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no I'm not saying that Ole Miss didn't have a chance to win that game. But no, I meant for, the for, line for, heading in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you say less than a touchdown, but, I mean, you're an SEC team to a Conference USA team or whatever they are, American team. American. American whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, but for for Ole Miss, yeah, I mean they they, they it doesn't they matter, but accuracy is important. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, and the thing that you know, if you're on my side of it, looking at it, there's one toss up game sort of left for Ole Miss. Am I right? And that's the Egg Bowl, and we'll see where that goes. That game is a huge toss up right now. I have no idea who's going to win. Yeah, and so I mean, and they had their opportunities to win the game, and the quarterback rotation, the way they did it, they made no sense. I mean, they brought in. Look, I, I get, I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. I get tired of people like, like somehow between our podcast and like the internet, I've been portrayed as like a corral stand, even though the entire time I've said they need to play two quarterbacks. But playing the guy who can't pass and everyone in the stadium 
knows he cannot throw to where teams are doing seven in the box with the single high safety on like third and nine as the every down guy and then bringing the the corral into I don't know throw the ball seems very predictable and like a very bad idea because if you have a package quarterback and you have a guy that plays a minority of snaps 99 times out of 100 what is that guy's skill set the package quarterback he's a runner nine times out of ten what is the Taysom Hill what is the Tim Tebow before he became the starter it's a running what it, exactly or so, some kind of a trick point. so how does it make any sense to bring the guy because Corral's not a bad runner he's shown that through the first four or five games how does it make any sense whatsoever to bring in the guy that can do both to some degree. Now, doesn't run nearly as well as Pummy, but clearly throws it better than Pummy. Be the package guy compared to the guy who is only one-dimensional. How does that make any sense? The way they used it was incredibly mystifying. So, I don't know what you do going forward if you're Ole Miss. I don't know what they do going into Auburn, but I would recommend not that. Auburn, New Mexico State, LSU, and Mississippi State are left on the schedule. I think there is, I mean, just who those teams are is cause enough for concern, especially two of the next three with Auburn on the road and LSU at home. But I think there's something that's even deeper than that that is a concern for Ole Miss if they're going to continue to try and play John Rice Plumley in a majority of the snaps. We'll talk about what that is next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to, back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Talk with you on this Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Will East in for Michael Borky, who is out, hanging out with Jimmy Dick Borky II. New baby arrived on Friday, and uh, Borky's trying to figure out how to be a dad. And I doubt, you, what do you think? Will, do you think he's listening or no? Yes, I think he's listening. I agree do you? With that. Yeah. 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 You think he thinks he's missing out on something? Yes, I do. <laughs> he's probably he's probably talking to the radio right now about something with Ole Miss and Texas A and M and then Mississippi State and LSU. I guarantee you. I'm gonna get an airbrush tie dye shirt that says Jimmy Dick Borky on it and get it for him. <laughs> tie dye onesie. Maybe he's mad about the free stuff they gave him as gifts. Oh that's a good point. Because he doesn't like yeah. gifts? Yeah. Surely, though, when it's for his kid, it's okay. I don't know. Mm. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They have been in the financing business for over 100 years. So if you're a farmer in North Mississippi with equipment needs, ready to buy a new piece of property, need to get a production loan or refinance an existing loan, or you're thinking about building a dream house in the country or maybe buying a piece of recreational property, give Mississippi Land Bank a chance to help you. Fantastic people, easy to work with, and they're easy to find as well. With branch locations across North Mississippi, check them out online at mslandbank.com where they know the lay 
of the land. Let's bounce around the SEC today for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And get behind the wheel of what today. You can take an F-150 for a test drive at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Latest injury news with regard to Tua Tonga-Vailoa comes from Matt Zenitz at AL.com. Writes that earlier today, Nick... Saban provided the latest info on his injured star quarterback. Nick Saban, quote, The surgery was successful. There's no real timetable for his return, but the expectation is he will be non-weight-bearing for several days, and then he'll be able to come back as his rehab allows him. We're hopeful that in a 10-day period, he'll be back being able to do pretty active-type rehab, and we'll see how it goes from there. These things are pretty unpredictable at this point. Close quote. Mac Jones will start at quarterback this Saturday against Arkansas. With no disrespect intended for Mac Jones, I could start at quarterback this Saturday for Alabama against Arkansas, and the result likely wouldn't change. Mac Jones was 6 of 11 for 72 yards against Tennessee after stepping in for the injured Tonga Vailoa. Nick Saban says we've got a lot of confidence in Mac with a week of preparation. I think he'll do a lot better in this game. Um, any thoughts on Tua and his injury? I, the game was going on at the same time as Ole Miss. I didn't see any of it or what happened or like really much of the aftermath. I think that right now, honestly, I think I, I, I'm going to take LSU to win in that game with Tua. They don't have Tua. They're not going to beat LSU. Simple as that. You think that's a hot take? No, no, I, I don't. don't. I, I, I would tend I to agree. Know, but yeah, right, yeah, right now LSU's playing the, the best, I, and I, I just feel like they're going to be able to go in there and win. I was My jaw dropped that some gentleman just got to love this state. Sent us a trail cam photo of what appears to be a panther in Mississippi. There you oh, go. Oh, really? Let's, we can go down this trail again. We don't have to, but that's kind of unsettling. Colby in Indianola. Sends us the picture that uh, that you mentioned, and um, says want to talk about panthers or cougars in the delta. That is from Colby uh, in Indianola. Where, where's the picture of the panther? I mean, I see the the trail camera. I don't see a panther. The, look in the the middle right. The trail camera. You don't think that's a hog? I mean, I don't think it's a puppy. That looks very pantherish to me. Hmm. If that's him or you in the woods, what are you doing? Shooting it. You're not armed. I've always got my guns on me, Rippy. It's fair enough. Why would you be? Why would you be in the woods at night in Mississippi without a gun? I don't know. Trying to find yourself. I'm just saying, like you don't have any weapons. What are you doing? I don't know. Try to make friends with him. Offer him a snack. I'm a cat owner, so I could probably make that happen. <laughs> like I know how they, I know how they operate. Hmm. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi with uh, with you. Ceasefire text line is open six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. You see the news that Mark Richt had a heart attack? Yeah, saw that. And he tweeted out that he's he's okay, thankfully. 
His tweet was, I'm assuming word travels fast, so I wanted to be able to inform everyone that I did have a heart attack this morning. I'm doing fine as I went through the experience. I had peace knowing I was going to heaven, but I was going to miss my wife. I plan to be at work this week. Mark Richt is now working with the ACC Network. Um, after being fired from Georgia, he went to work for Miami like five minutes later, and then after a couple of years, stepped down. Uh, Clemson defeated Louisville, and their defense was really good. It took a while to get the offense going. The offense, very sluggish. But the most interesting story that comes out of this game is about their cornerback, Andrew Booth Jr. He got tied up with a Louisville player, got him on the ground, and threw a punch. Dabo Sweeney did not take kindly to this and wanted to give Booth some time to think about his actions. He told reporters in his weekly press conference, uh, sorry, weekly teleconference yesterday that Booth had to ride back on the team manager's bus while the rest of the team flew home on the plane, about a 450-mile ride. He said he rode back on our manager bus. That's where it started. The rest of it will be handled in-house. Booth was ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct for punching Louisville's Trinell Troutman as he lay on the ground in the third quarter. Um, Sweeney had actually sent Booth to the locker room before the officials even disqualified him, told him to get out of here. Dabo Sweeney says that he apologized to Louisville coach Scott Satterfield for Booth's actions, said that's not who we are, that's not who he is. Sweeney says that Booth, a freshman from Decula, Georgia, had apologized to his teammates, to his coaches, and to Clemson Athletics Director Dan Radakovich. So he's on the apology tour right now after getting to do the 450-mile bus ride home on Saturday night instead of flying home with his teammates with the uh, the rest of the team. It's a good week for Clemson people punching people. Christian Wilkins ejected yesterday for throwing a punch oh, in the first he? quarter. Yeah. Did you guys see anything about the North Carolina-Virginia Tech game? It wasn't it the first instance of that two-point deal yes. in overtime being implemented? Oh, I didn't see any of yeah. it. but In a game that took six overtimes and more than four hours to play, Virginia Tech finally put away the Tar Heels when third-team quarterback Quincy Patterson's two-point conversion run in the sixth overtime propelled the Hokies to a 43-41 victory in the longest game in ACC history. When you look at the box score, you scratch your head because there are a bunch of zeros in the overtime periods. Like, you think back to the seven-overtime game that Ole Miss and Arkansas played. I don't remember the exact score, but that game was like 17-17 or 24 apiece at the end of regulation. And it was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. And the new rule is after the fourth overtime period, you've got to go for two. Both teams squandered opportunities to win in earlier overtime periods as Virginia Tech kicker Brian Johnson missed game-winning attempts from 41 and 42 yards, college kicker, and North Carolina kicker Noah Ruggles missed from 35 yards and had a 44-yard attempt blocked, college kicker. You had four missed or blocked field goal tries in overtime, all of which could have won. I, for one, am stunned that Phil Longo is having trouble getting in the end zone when he starts on the 25. I bet that play sheet was like a to-go food menu that you always go to hanging on your fridge. Just eight, nine times, same plays. The game marked the debut of college football's new overtime rules, which now call for going for two after the fourth overtime. In the fifth overtime, Virginia Tech had the ball first. 
But Patterson's pass to Damon Hazelton was broken up by Tar Heels' Storm Duck all-name team, giving the Tar Heels an opportunity to win the game. His name is North Storm Carolina. Duck. You're not making that up? Storm Duck Storm is his du- name. Wow. Fantastic. North Carolina, though, couldn't convert. Virginia Tech's Khalil Ladler read an option play perfectly and tackled Michael Carter for a loss, sending the game into a sixth overtime. It's the second time this year that Virginia Tech, excuse me, that North Carolina has tried to run an option play down around the goal line where it's not worked successfully. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, you know how the saying goes. Tar Heels got the ball first. Quarterback Sam Howell was tackled for a loss, setting up Patterson's game-winning conversion. Six overtimes for a 43-41 victory. Coming up next, we will bounce around the SEC. That was your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395 if you want to text the show. Um, let's bounce around what happened this weekend in the SEC. 35 13, Alabama wins over Tennessee. They do not cover, they don't get anywhere close on that front. But seemingly the enduring story out of this game is whether or not Jeremy Pruitt was out of line. Uh, starting quarterback got hurt again, and so Jarrett Garantano was back in the ball game. Tennessee had it down around the goal line trying to get it in. They have a play called. Garantano apparently audibled to a quarterback sneak, tried to stick the ball over the goal line, had it swatted away, scoop and score, touchdown the other direction, and instead of potentially having a 27-20 to game, making it a one-score game, it's 35-13, and Alabama gets to celebrate. And then as Garantano's coming off the field, Jeremy Pruitt is absolutely lighting into him. He's yelling at him, he's pointing at him, and nobody really knows what Garantano said to Pruitt, but at one point Pruitt kind of reaches up with one finger and grabs his face mask, kind of pulls it down. He doesn't twist it. He doesn't throw him or yank him or anything. And all of the folks that um, get really into stuff like that, like it really bothers them, they came out like crazy. Is there any controversy whatsoever here in your mind, hey, Dad? The only controversy is why Jared Garantano is still on the team after what he did because – for me, first of all, I don't have a huge issue with what Pruitt did. I mean, I played low-level football, but my helmet has been yanked. It happens. Um, but that said, if you watch, uh, if you look at Jordan Rogers' Twitter today, he did a really good job of breaking this play down. He didn't even audible, Richard. He just decided once the ball was snapped, he was going over the top. If you watch the way his linemen block, they, they're pulling. One of them was pulling. So if there was an audible, nobody heard it. Um, so it looks like Garantana just decided to, to hero ball this thing. When uh, looking at Rodgers, it looks like the play call probably would have scored. So for me, yeah, Pruitt was very, very much within his rights to be not just mad, but be incensed that his quarterback just decided to take over like that. Uh, I don't have a problem with what happened. 
I had a high school football coach. We were playing um, playing Lafayette in a rivalry game when I was a senior in high school. And very rarely did the head coach on our football team use any sort of profanity. Just that, that wasn't his makeup. Had other coaches that did uh, learn some new words along the way, but he didn't. And I audibled to a quarterback sneak at the goal line. It was not on a fourth down play. I didn't fumble. Didn't get in the end zone. I was not a very good quarterback sneaker. I was like 165 pounds soaking wet, and we had really good running backs. There were other things that I did better. That wasn't one of the things that I did great. And it was made clear to me from the sideline while we were still on the field that I should run the play that had been called. Now, with that said, even in our high school offense, I had the freedom to audible to a better play if what was called was likely not to work against the defense that that was showing. But going to a quarterback sneak with my lack of ability, when we had two really good running backs behind me, down around the goal line in that situation, a bad call. I don't feel like quarterbacks, by and large, have as much freedom to audible at the line of scrimmage as we've seen in years gone by. With all the check with me at the line stuff, all of the checks are coming from the sideline and coming from the booth. My guess is that Jake Fromm's got a little more freedom to audible. He's a veteran quarterback. He's been at it for a while. Probably within the confines of LSU's offense, Joe Burrow's got the freedom to make changes at the line of scrimmage. But LSU does a lot of the check with me at the line stuff too, don't they, hey, Dad? Uh, not not to the extent that, say, Mississippi State does, but there is a little bit of that, yes. Joe Moorhead at one point this season, or maybe it was before the year, basically said that his quarterbacks aren't supposed to audible at the line. Right, that's on him is what he would tell you. Yeah, He's making those decisions. And I I, I don't love that. No. At, at least not 100% of the time, but... You know, whatever. If Garantano goes to a play where he wants to pull one of these nobody else on the field knows what's going on except me, and he has a history of making poor decisions, which is he does. I mean, he lost the starting quarterback job because he was making bad decisions for Tennessee. I completely understand Jeremy Pruitt being furious. Mm-hmm. But the little tug on the face mask it just didn't strike me as a big deal at all. He didn't grab the face mask and twist it and pull him to the sideline. He used a finger and just kind of pulled it down. You saw it. What would you think? Probably not necessary. Didn't really have a problem with it. But as sensitive as everyone is today, for better or for worse, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, probably want to stay away from touching him. Agreed. But I didn't have any really problem with it at all. You could barely tell he pulled it. I mean, it was like a tiny tug. It wasn't like he yanked him down. It was like dragging him like a kid on a leash or something. But yeah, like, but if I'm Jam- if I'm uh, Jeremy Pruitt, I just don't really care what Jamel Hill thinks. Was that how this got started? I mean, among a thousand other people. Uh, well, you know, people got really things. upset about this. For, uh, like, I mean, I, I think when coaches get really upset like that and lose control of their emotions, they're in a no-win situation. Because if you remember the NCAA tournament, Tom Izzo didn't even touch a player, but he yelled at him too hard. Yeah. yeah. And people got really upset about that. So, like, I mean, obviously, if you touch a kid now, like, people are going to be upset. But, again, to your point, like, 
unless he's like Bob knighting him or something or throws a chair in his general direction, like I'd probably just let it go. This will die down in, you know, 12 hours because this is, again, no one's really actually upset about this. This does not affect anyone's day. Jerry and Tupelo, no controversy. If Saban had done it, a lot of people would be saying positive, tough love coaching. Remember when he gave the big slap on the rear end to A.J. McCarron? Says I didn't see anything wrong with that either. Yeah, I don't think you want to do what Saban did to A.J. McCarron. I don't again. remember that. You don't remember when Nick Saban slapped A.J. McCarron on the rump? I don't. I'll have to, I'll have to find the YouTube clip of that. Yeah. He whipped out a ping pong paddle. It was like, you're next. At least they weren't in Stillwater. He might want to grab one of the paddles out of the student section. It's like the Fair first enough. half hour of Dazed and Confused. He broke out the, the paddle and just went after him. Um, coach Kroom, the nicest guy ever to head coach a team, did that look at me face mask tug every four minutes. Chris in Oxford, no, not agreed. Twist face mask and get his attention. That's what wrong is wrong with these kids today. They don't have any discipline. Uh, discipline. <laughs> the 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 divide here seems to be like people. Who, some of it's generational. Oh yeah, and some of it's just like maybe some who got the belt and some who didn't as a child. I don't know. Yeah, or just spanked in general. I don't know. I didn't think this. was There's no deal. question that we are in a softer time period in the United yeah. States than we've ever been. I mean, but, but to be honest, what are the odds that anyone that sent a scathing tweet about this remembers this in 10 days? Yeah, probably no, you're fair. right. You are 100% right. Florida beat South Carolina 38-27. to There were a slew of controversial calls in the ballgame. Uh, there was a Florida play after some penalties against South Carolina where there sure, very clearly should have been a dead ball false start penalty that was not called, and then you had like an arm bar holding with the Florida, was it the wide receiver that was blocking down the field for the running back yeah. on a big, long play? Um, the the officials guy that they had on the broadcast said, well, I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, it was, it was holding. Call it, don't call it, whatever. Holding seems to be not called a lot these days. But after the game... Will Muschamp was asked what he thought of the officiating. Do you know why you got the unsportsmanlike? No, I don't. I got the guy ran forty yards away and dropped a flag. I have no idea. Well, what is your? I'd rather him drop it on my feet. Did you say anything? Yeah. No, prior to I the flag. No, no, yeah. Something that you think warranted an unsportsmanlike? I, I, it's not my judge. Drop it on my feet next time. So clearly, you were unhappy about the. Totality. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna comment about anything else. Don't go 40 yards away and drop a flag. How about that? Gutless. <laughs> I love the gutless tag Just on the end there. by Will Muschamp. Gutless. Hey, what's happened to the SEC officiating Twitter feed? By the way, where are they? Shouldn't they be showing us some of this stuff and explaining it? I don't follow it. Has it gone quiet? Yeah. And they have not tweeted a single thing this year that where they said, yeah, here's one where we messed up. Hey, let, let me let you in on a little secret. I ain't going to do it. Not going to happen. Not when you can go to 38-2.6B-47A for a uh, an interpretation that is favorable. Hey. 38-27, Gators win it over the Gamecocks. We'll look at the rest of the SEC when we come back with you 
in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Bounce around to the SEC. Georgia 21-0 over Kentucky in something that would be called less than a monsoon but more than rain. Did you watch any of that game, hey Dad? I didn't I didn't see any of it, no. Okay. And just looking at this box, this little bit of the box score you put in the rundown, I didn't miss I didn't miss much. With 6.20 to play in the third quarter, DeAndre Swift took it in from 39 yards out to give Georgia a 7 to nothing lead. So they played 38 and a half minutes without a score. Brian Harrion, five minutes later, had an eight-yard touchdown, touchdown run to make it 14 to nothing, and DeAndre Swift took one more in with 6.24 to play to make it 21 to nothing. Listen to these passing numbers. For Kentucky, Lynn Bowden, the wide receiver turned quarterback because of all of, of all of their injuries, through the air. It was raining. I'll give you that. He was 2 of 15 for 17 yards. 2 of 15 for 17 yards. And they had one other guy throw a pass, so they finished 2 of 16 as a team through the air. He was either 0 of 8 or 0 of 9 to start the game, and he threw what should have been a touchdown pass, but the receiver for Kentucky, and forgive me for not knowing his name, decided that he wanted to look more like Pele than a wide receiver, and he kind of tipped it from his hands as he was like falling backwards, and he kicked the ball like over his head toward the stands. So Georgia gets the win. And you know I'm high on Jake Fromm as a quarterback. He had a 22-yard pass. That was one of his nine completions. On his other eight completions, Jake Fromm racked up 13 yards. Jake Fromm goes 9 of 12 with no touchdowns and no interceptions for 35 yards, which means he was 1 of 1 for 22 yards on one pass, and he was 8 of 11 for 13 yards. The math doesn't work for me on that. Yeah. It's accurate, though. I used all my fingers and my toes to, to count it. <laughs> That's what Rippy said earlier. I mean, and not only that, I mean, they had Jacob Eason as well. They had three five-star quarterbacks in the last three years, and they somehow ended up with the guy who seems like he's not the best of that group. Yeah. I'm not sure this is a Jake Fromm issue. As much as, either, it's a, as much as it's a play calling and a they don't have very good wide receivers at Georgia issue. Which is crazy as well as they've recruited, but receiver seems to be the spot where they have not been able to hit some of their top guys. I mean, they were they recruited the guys that are Alabama right now. They recruited all those guys hard, Ruggs and, and Smith and Judy, but yeah, it just hasn't worked out. 
Finished second a bunch of times. Well, what's the difference yeah. between this year and last year? Better re- receivers that are gone. Well, and Jim Chaney left. Oh, yeah. Probably something to do with that. I mean, there's an idea that you can just kind of plug and play at wide receiver if, or at uh, offensive coordinator if you've got good players. I don't think that's necessarily true. No. 11 a.m. kickoff in Fayetteville. Auburn 51, Arkansas 10. Gus going back to the natural state and getting it done. Did Arkansas run the worst f- fake punt of the entire season? No. It's the worst fake punt of all time. Uh, that's not true. That's false. You got one? I, that was also it. Georgia. I would direct you to the – oh, okay. That's up there for a worst play call. Have you all not seen the Pat McAfee Indianapolis Colts one? I need to look at it. The, oh, the, the Georgia uh, one is a, is a timing thing to me. This is just a play that has no chance of, of success. The The design of the play is poor. So the, the snap is back to the punter. He holds it. And then Brett Norsworthy, who I was with in the uh, postgame show on Saturday night, said looked like somebody that had been at Eddie Sutton's basketball camp and had been learning how to do the two-hand <laughs> chest pass. So yeah. one of the upbacks or one of the players is trying to kind of come across b- behind the line of scrimmage, across the formation, and the punter's going like end-over-end chest pass. They're actually running it on the SEC Network right now. And he leads the guy that's coming across the formation. None of the three upbacks moved. And the closest guy to it was an Auburn player who was a lineman that was just staying home in the event of a fake punt. It was awful. An interception on a punt try where there was not a forward pass. It was a two-handed lobby chest pass. Just terrible. Just absolutely terrible. And then in Nashville, Vanderbilt wins 21-14 over Missouri in the you've got to be kidding me. What if I told you that I'm more surprised by that result than I am by Illinois beating Wisconsin? I wouldn't disagree with you. Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch. But Illinois at times this year has at least shown a little bit of life offensively. Vanderbilt's done nothing. They started a third-string quarterback, Mo Hassan, a transfer from somewhere. I don't even remember where he transferred from. But he hadn't been good enough to this point of the season to beat Riley Neal out for a job or whoever the other guy is. And they beat Missouri. And then... On the field, after the game, for the post-game television interview, Dawn Davenport is the sideline reporter for SEC Network, and she had a chance to ask Derek Mason a question. You've answered questions about your job security all week long, and this team comes out and upsets a ranked Missouri team. What are you feeling right now? Well, first of all, you know, honor to God. You know, it's been a, it's been a rough patch. Man, but I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this. Okay, a lot of people want this job, so they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodores anchoring down. Commodores anchoring down. Don't question him. 
I'm built for this job, Richard. I'll let you know that. I appreciate that, hey, Dad. I do. Don't question me. Don't question but me. But I'm just telling you right now that if you get to the point where you perform at the equivalent of one in five, uh-huh. even if you pull an upset, your days are probably numbered, man. See, I mean, Will's here. He can, I guess, potentially overrule me. But if you're performing consistently at a four games below 500 level on the radio, we're probably going to find somebody else that can do the job better. Good luck with that. Even if you grind every day. Richard just called Super Talk Vanderbilt. <laughs> no, I, I did not. He did. He did. <laughs> I did not. That did not happen. Both on of the you. radio. <laughs> Uh, apparently now I'm looking for a job as well. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate Look, Where do I send that application thing. in, Will? The, the, the thing is this. Everybody that comes in contact with Derek Mason likes him. Yeah. Not Dan Mullen. Oh, yeah. Ah, well, you know, that's different. Not Dan Mullen. Everybody else. Conversely, nobody that comes in contact with Dan Mullen likes him. It's true. Derek Mason included. <laughs> but he wins football games, and so he's got job security, and Derek Mason does not. I mean, I appreciate the passion. What else is he going to say in that moment? Well, I mean, That's he could have given fiery the whole coach speaky. Up. Yeah, give the whole coach speaky, you know. Uh, great win. We're moving on to the net, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he showed some emotion there. I like he did. it. Yeah, exactly. But what else is he supposed to say? Like, yeah, what? I'm a dead man walking, but this was a great parting gift. Like, a lot of emotion being shown by SEC coaches that were in semi-uncomfortable spots going into their games this weekend. Difference was Derek Mason's was after a win. Can Can Vanderbilt beat Tennessee for a third consecutive year, <laughs> or is it fourth? It would be a fourth consecutive year. Yeah. If they can, you know. Something to watch. Uh, C Spire text line. Have y'all heard anything of the talk coming out of Tallahassee of them courting Urban Myers for the uh, FSU job? I have. That's Urban Myers. Sorry. No, I've not heard that. Coach deserves better than Vandy, to be honest. I don't think I can read that one on the air. Don't trust Richard's math. Says he has to get <laughs> naked to count the 21. <laughs> I think I just read it on the air, didn't I? You read it on the air. You did what? Did you? No, I'm not saying it again. Um, touched on this earlier, Jeff on I-55 listening. He says, thoughts on Sean, Sean Payton's fullback option during the Bears game yesterday. Kind of like that, didn't you? Hey, Dad. Glorious. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm in the Renaissance Bank Studio. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.